0: Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science, who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you are a pre-PA, a PA student, or a physician assistant, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. We are so thrilled to bring you today's episode with South African PA, also known as a clinical associate, Sinelli. We love international PAs and are honored to have him as a guest today. Before we get to the episode, we want to drop a note about our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by our book. If you are brand new to the PA career, then you definitely need to check out our book that will tell you everything you need to be a rock star, super competitive applicant. This is the tell-all go-to guide for exactly what you need to know to be the strongest candidate so you don't have to reapply the next cycle. It has all the what-to-dos and not-to-dos that we saw when we worked at PA programs and reviewed CASPA apps and interviewed candidates. It also has what prereqs to aim for and how many hours of patient care, volunteer, shadowing to get, how to get the strongest letters of recommendation, and what to do if you've made a few C's, how to pick programs so that you can get into PA school your first cycle, and so much more. We know what you need to get into PA school, so let us be your mentor, and let's get you accepted. Check it out in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Here is our interview with Clinical Associate Sinelli from South Africa. So, I
1: was actually doing a little bit of research about the PA profession in South Africa, and you're called Clinical Associates, correct?
2: Yes, yes, that's correct.
1: Okay, and you're a, a really new career over there in two thousand and eight, I think is when the profession started?
3: Yeah, so the first intake was in two thousand and eight at one of the universities which is Waters Solo University. So they are currently playing university play universities currently in South Africa, training clinical associate. So it is vet University, University of Pretoria and Waters Solo University. So I was in University of Pretoria. So the program started in two thousand and eight at Waters University in January and then University of Pretoria started in September. So yeah. So two universities started in two thousand and eight, but Waters in January and there are third data that year.
1: Fantastic. And when did you get your clinical associate degree?
3: Yeah, so I got mine in December
2: twenty
1: eleven. Twenty eleven, okay. Awesome. Well congratulations. Thank you,
2: thank you
4: and so what is uh like what is your background what is
2: kind of a job of a, a pa like in south africa and then what specialty do
3: you currently work in yeah i, I think i can divide that into two okay. what clinical associates do and what i'm currently doing so i think for in, in, in south africa like in many other countries we're having a, a huge shortage of doctors and we have such a, a very big burden of diseases as you might know we have about eight million people of 60 million people who are living with HIV, so that's almost about 12
2: percent uh, percent of people who are living with HIV. So we are also struggling
3: with hypertension, diabetes, and, uh, and and other chronic illnesses, high maternal mortality, high child uh, mortality. So then the government decided to, to say we do not have enough healthcare workers to deal with all this with this growing burden of diseases. So they invited clinical associate to assist and, and, and to make sure that they work, they pitch the game, in particularly in terms of the shortage of doctors. So in South Africa, clinical associates are mostly aligned to what doctors do. So they would include history-taking, doing uh, physical examination, ordering investigative studies, and doing different procedures. I think one of the procedures that we do is lumbar puncture, which one would see as a high uh, or an important
2: uh, procedure. Uh, things like uh, intercostal drainage, uh, ICT, and many other different procedures. So, I'm just giving an example from simple procedures such as the
3: IV line, the circumcisions, and to, to things like your your intercostal uh, drainage. So, it's a range of different things, but our focus is mostly in outpatient and the emergency departments. But currently, we do not have any specialty.
2: Clinical associates are currently. A generalist, so they they work mostly in the outpatient departments, in casualties, but we do have some who work in uh,
3: specialized departments. We do have some who work in in maternity, for example. We do have some who work in PEAT. But unfortunately, we do not have uh, postgraduate qualifications which
2: are are recognized by government where one can specialize in, in a particular specialty. The only thing we have now is an onus in emergency for clinical associate, but that is just the only qualification that one can get
3: after doing this particular course.
4: Okay, yeah, really interesting. We have a lot, obviously, our education is a little bit different. We have a lot of emphasis on chronic disease management in our country, because that is a huge thing we see. And so it is interesting, you know, that the HIV type stuff we see over there, it makes sense that more people would work in that area and you would get more training in that area. So what kind of educational path is it to a clinical associate in
3: South Africa? So maybe just as a background, so for one to qualify as a clinic or for one to be admitted at university, at these three universities, one need to have a metric, so that is a grade 12. And then they, they might have maths and, uh,
2: and English for them to qualify to do this particular course. Well, So what then happens is that in the first year of study, so this course in South Africa is over three years. So unlike in other countries where
3: it might be a postcard, where someone needs another course before they can get into this one, here you just need the school exit qualification, which is known as metric, grade 12, before you can go. So this is an undergraduate profession, so you wouldn't need to have any degree for you to enter into this particular one. So in, in the first year of study, that will include uh, physiology, anatomy, part of pharmacology, and then you will be introduced into clinical practice. So the first six months, and I'm, I'm not speaking about the university of Pretoria because that's where I've went and that's where I was also trained. So for the first six months in, in the university of Pretoria, uh, they spend four days in the theoretical framework, so that is in the university, and then uh, once a week, then they go to the clinical setting. Uh, where they are attached to a particular hospital for the period of the first six months, but then they only visit that hospital at least once a week, and then but part, part of that week would in include skills lab, where this is where now they go to the skills lab and they are introduced to different skills. So once they have then mastered those skills, they are then exposed to a real life situation where they interact with the real patients and they start uh, taking history. So in, in the first year of training, our focus is, most, is mostly on two things. The main thing that we want to achieve is that we, we give them enough information or enough background on anatomy and physiology, but also we introduce them into two things, the history-taking and physical examinations. I, I think they just summarized the whole the of the first year. But then in the second part of the year, which is the second semester of the first year, they then go more into the clinical setting, so they... Go to uh, particular hospitals where they now start spending most of their time in the clinical settings and less of their time in classrooms, in anatomy classrooms and the physiology classrooms. They are now being exposed to the real life situations where they spend about uh, three days now in the clinical settings and the other days uh, they are theoretical and also reserved for the skills lab. And then at the end of the year, they are expecting them to do what we call head to examination. So each clinical associate in the first year is, an, is required to be able to examine patients from head to toe. So we would have uh, SPs uh, who come in and then each clinical associate will be given an hour to do head to toe examination. And they are also expected to do physical examination, to do history taking from parents, but that will be in a separate examination. So the attention are, they are that they, they have to master in the first year, when well, maybe three the first one is for them to be able to take history, the second one is for them to be able to do physical examinations, but then we then start now introducing them to some different procedures like your IV line and all those. Then, now, this within the first year, this happens within the areas which are close to the university, which will mostly be the urban settings. But once they then go to the second year, we then take them to the rural areas where they are most likely to be working because that way we are having a, a, a huge shortage of doctors. So, in the in this second year, they are full time based in the clinics where in, or in the hospitals where they they are they are trained. So, they are now allocated instead of eighty uh, percent uh, in the theoretical setting. Now they are full time in the hospitals, but they still have within that that time they still have uh, some clinic some theoretical. Interaction, but which is now facilitated by a facilitator who's attached to that particular hospital. So this would now run throughout the year, but in the beginning of the year, uh, they, will start both, they will first go to the university, where they spend about a month being introduced to the second year, and then they will, they will be sent to the hospital, which is peripheral, it's about maybe, some of them are as far as about 800 kilometers from the original uh, university, where they will now be trained and then uh, at the end of the semester they come back to the university for assessments and then they write exams and then they go for those kids and then once they pass those exams then they go to the second year now in the second, sorry they will go to the second semester so in the second year they are still general, so they will be doing almost, they will cover almost all the systems so they move by the systems but in the third year of study that's where now they start going to pits for an example uh, being exposed to peace, then they go uh, also being exposed to maternal care, where they would spend some time in maternity and then inside wards. So now they, they start like specializing in different wards, but all of them they would do the same thing. So we wouldn't have someone who specializes in one thing and instead of another. So here now they rotate in different, in different specialties.
1: Yeah, we have a very similar setup in the US where we have a year of didactic and then a year of clinicals. So it sounds similar. Uh, so at the end of the program, do they have to take a board exam?
3: Yeah, so at the end of the program, they have national exams which are set by these three different universities, current training clinical associates. So all the facilitators from these universities. They sit together and they make up, they set up exams and then they mark these exams together. So both the direction exams and the OSCEs are set up at a national level, but by the facilitators of, from these three different, universities, three different universities who come together and set up exams for the students and then assist each other in terms of marking and observing the students while they are doing OSCEs.
1: Okay, thank you. And then, so once your students graduate, is it hard for them to find a position? Well, it, it has been hard. I, I think there have been different phases. So uh, from our phase, uh, which I would call maybe phase one, uh, all, in, all of us in our groups were sponsored by government and uh, some were sponsored by military. So immediately after graduating, one would immediately be attached to a hospital because government gives you money to go to the university and they would respect you. Saved them for a period of three years. Now, during the time it was quite very simple. They were doing no challenges in terms of finding
3: jobs. Now, the second phase was when government started uh, uh, reducing the number of bursaries or sponsorships for students, and we started having private students who were being sponsored by their parents, or some of them were sponsored by, by the National Fund for Children. Now, this now. We had many of them who would struggle to get jobs because they had no argument with governments in terms of saying, once we have qualified, then we are going to absorb you. So during that period, I think that was from around 2015 to around 2019. And the goes to the private sector. Uh, Unfortunately, the spending is almost similar, so about 50%
2: In terms of the availability of healthcare workers
3: and in terms of uh, of the way they treat patients. So, if you go to any public sector now, you'll find quite very long queues, some patients coming in even to the particular facility even a day before. While in the, in the private sector, you find a different picture where someone would book uh, their appointment and be seen by a number of different uh, healthcare workers in the, within hours they just come in and the, they go they so they still quite that huge imbalance which now the government is now planning to move towards universal health coverage uh, using what they are calling national health insurance. So this has now been disturbed by the by, by COVID nineteen but over the past years there were there were many pilots towards trying to move the country from this particular system which is differentiates the quality of healthcare between the rich and poor what the system now which says that everyone has asked, must have access to quality and care. So the National Health Insurance Plan is set to come 2025. state Doing this now, even different the scope of practice were non-existence. So clinical associations were just functioning differently in different parts, but to pressure them, we forced them to come up with the scope of practice which was then finally made in 2016. and uh, we still had challenges. So until then, we we involved the what we call the public protector. This is now an office which uh, uh, investigate my administration from the government officials, so now this is now in to was on the news of, of, of the recent week, where the government was investigating a uh, government for neglecting
2: this profession of clinical associate. This is still ongoing, over the few months, we are now going to get the report from this uh, office of
3: government, which in, in investigates other government officials in terms of neglecting this very useful profession. So I would say that uh, it has been political by him that was lacking in South Africa that we you <laughs> The culture and they understand the context of that particular community. Now, saving their community, so there is bias in that way that most patients are, are, are most likely to, to relate to these individuals who have quite very good clinical skills and their their clinical setting or their their training was mostly clinical and real life situations. It becomes easier for them to relate to these patients. So we have seen a trend where patients are more are more comfortable clinical associates, particularly with South Africa, who previously have come from outside communities to these communities. Most of them won't even need
2: translators to translate to these parents. So now for the first time these parents are comfortable having
3: someone that they can speak to in their own language. They can understand what these people are talking about. So we have seen so much huge acceptance, but what we then are not sure of is if patients clearly understand the difference between clinical as safe and doctors because most no in it is but a very long process where
4: is coming up in around 2025. Do you see that expanding the clinical associate field? Do you think that's going to help kind of promote? Uh, or I guess where do you see the field kind of moving towards in this COVID era and with this national health insurance coming up? Yeah, I think if, if government would nice the potential of clinical associates, sure, it should massively improve this particular profession. Uh, for a fact that clinical associates are quite very skillful. Health workers and are needed,
3: not as expensive as other health professionals, but we, we usually are, are very careful in terms of waiting, with, in terms of cost effectiveness, because we wouldn't want clinical associates to be reduced to a very low uh, scale of in terms of salary that one uh, now does not appreciate their efforts. So, uh, but, yeah, the reality is that they're not going to be paid the same thing as doctors. So, uh, but in terms of the way that they're doing. It is quite very close to what doctors are doing. But uh, in terms of cost, it is lower than what doctors would actually be getting. So, for a health system which does not have enough resources or money to be able to expand healthcare. For example, working with about five different clinics and within these clinics, uh, supporting those community health workers and, and nurses who are supervising those community workers. So, so, from that point of view, that is, is, is an important part of the NHI. So, from that point of view, it seems like this would be a big and a massive opportunity for clinical State to venture also into that, making sure that they move to community based health services. But also, in terms of uh, the National Health Insurance, we've identified uh, the skills shortage in terms of the district hospitals and other levels of hospitals. And for those skills or for those gaps to be filled, there is a need for a skilled health workers such as clinical associates. So for a, for the National Health Insurance to be successful, there is a, a, a need to to absorb on the clinical associates and to even train more clinical associates. Because in South Africa, currently we have eight medical schools, but only three of those medical schools are currently training uh, clinical associates. So they didn't need to expand the training of clinical as- uh, associates to even other universities uh, for them to train clinical associates. And how many
1: current associates do you have in your country right now?
3: I think the last time I checked, because last week we were having about 1,370 degrees clinical assistance registered with the HPCCC which, which is now the cancer I was talking about, the one that is responsible for regulating the practicing of, uh, of most of the health care workers. About 1,373 information from the yeah. So just about that. Okay, and from what we understand, once they get their degree, they can work anywhere. Is it just anywhere in South Africa or is it anywhere in
2: Africa in
4: general? How does that work?
3: So they yeah, are now mostly limited in South Africa, but even within South Africa we still have provinces which are not keen to absorb clinical associates. We in all so in South Africa we have nine provinces. So in all these other eight provinces, I think most of these provinces are utilizing clinical associates, but we have one province called Western Cape where there has been some resistance in terms of absorbing clinical associates. So this also relates to political uh, differences within South Africa, because this is now the only province which is not uh, governed by the ruling party, which is the African National Congress. Now this is governed by another uh, uh, political party, and this political party is not keen towards absorbing uh, clinical associates. So this also speaks to the political dynamics within the country, where you have other provinces at least willing to take clinical associates, but have not willing, really willing to
1: have in their It has been such an honor to have you as a guest and to interview you. Thank you so much for all the information that you've shared with us. Thank you very
3: much. It's for okay Camille for that. Uh, <laughs> I, I get excited. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for expanding the invitation to to me. I'm um, quite very really happy to be part of this.
1: Yes, thank you. And, you know, it is, it's our passion to get the physician assistant and, you know, of course, the clinical associate profession to every country in the world. There's no reason why every country shouldn't have our profession and have access to healthcare. care. Um, is there anything that we can do to help and support you from here? I think there is always a need for
3: collaboration, in particular our associations uh, in terms of, uh, I think it's called PAEA and other professional bodies in South Africa, in, in the U.S., I think there is a need for... Professional uh, associations in Africa to learn uh, from the historic background of the associations in the US on dealing with different issues. And so I think there is always that that gap would be filled in terms of uh, assisting one another in moving forward toward making sure that this profession becomes a success. Obviously, they are feeling that also uh, the US associations can learn from from our side because. We now have been existing for almost ten years now and there are a things that we have been exposed to but I think we also have a, a lot to learn from, from the profession within the the, the US also looking at their long history of having this particular profession. Yeah, I
4: think you really nailed it on the head that you know we can help each other. We can all learn from, you know, what struggles that we've been having and how we overcome them in our different countries to try and yeah together and you know again increase access to health care and that's one of the beautiful things about being a pa is that as you said the costs are usually lower to train us we usually get out quicker and make a huge difference in our community um, i particularly love the fact that you guys go out and find people in these communities train them up and that when they go back to the community and so they have a really good rapport uh, with the patients there and i think that that is so smart um, you know we still have areas in our country where it's underserved their access to healthcare is more limited than others and so that is one thing that we sort of place an emphasis on as well is trying to find students who live and grew up in these communities because they're more likely to go back and be accepted by them so i think that's fantastic that you guys are doing a wonderful job at that
3: yeah 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 no thanks thanks it's always like better to hear what's happening outside of south africa in terms of this profession because one would have had no Great experience outside of South Africa. So uh, uh, every time when we hear about uh, how, how things happen outside, I think it also gives us an encouragement. And to see that for many years, almost more than fifty years now, this profession has been running in other countries. So that uh, gives us hope in terms of making sure that in future some of our challenges might be resolved and to move forward and become one of the greatest professions in the system in our country.
1: Yes. Thank you
4: so much. Yes.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so happy you are here and so excited for all that your future holds as a PA. Before you leave, go to the show notes and download your free Map to PA School. There are so many hoops to jump through and things to accomplish to even be able to apply to PA school, and it can be so overwhelming and confusing. So we created a Map to PA School checklist that will tell you exactly what you need to do and when to do it, taking you from freshman year all the way to PA school. And don't worry, if you are already a few years in, you can and totally catch up. The link to get your free checklist is in the show notes, so jump on it and get started. The sooner you start, the sooner you begin your dream career. We'll catch you at the next episode.